Good evening. I am so glad that you've chosen to come to church on Wednesday night and to dig into prophecy with me. Uh, so far in our, our study, Israel Prophecy in the Middle East, we've been playing in the shallow end, okay? We're about to jump into the deep end, okay? I promise you. This is some fascinating stuff. And I, I'm not coming to you telling you that I'm an expert and I know everything, but I'm going to share with you the results of my hours of study on this chapter. Chapter 38, we're going to cover verses 1 through 9 tonight, hopefully. So thank you for being here. You know, without a doubt, if ever there was a good time to study Ezekiel 36 to 39, this is that time. Tonight, Jewish families are still dealing with the brutal and evil attack that took place in October. Many are mourning the deaths of loved ones. Others are nursing physical and emotional wounds that have left them devastated. The IDF has moved into Gaza searching for Hamas terrorists in tunnels and around corners, everywhere you can imagine. At the same time, they gave innocent uh, Palestinians ample warning to move to safety. And um, uh, Palestinians, um, many of them took advantage of that. But you know what I discovered as I watched the news Hamas was preventing them from going to safety. Let, let me tell you, let me just say it again. The, the issue here is not Israel and Palestinians. The issue is Israel and Hamas, a terrorist evil organization. You've been reading about that 10-month little old baby that they, they took as a hostage? Well, that baby's dead. I just saw in the news that the, the baby's dead. Now, whether that's um, them just spinning something or whether it's true, uh, it just illustrates how evil uh, Hamas really is. Russia, Iran, and Turkey seem to be forming a new axis of evil before our very eyes. All three of them literally hate Israel. In fact, a new wave of anti-Semitism is sweeping the world. It's sweeping through America, the major cities of America. And, and people are siding with Hamas terrorists over the nation of Israel. You know, you, you got when you see stuff like this happen, you gotta realize that something must be up. Something must be up. And I think tonight as we launch into this study, you're going to see that our Lord is indicating to us in very clear ways that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ could be very, very near. It seems like the whole Middle East is a ticking time bomb just ready to explode at any moment. John Wolford from Dallas Theological Seminary, 
uh, wrote, wrote a, a, a thick book on prophecy. He's got all the prophecies of the Bible and he explains them. And I'm going to quote what he said. He said, if Ezekiel 38 and 39 is studied carefully, it reveals a future invasion of the land of Israel by the armies of Russia and its allies. Though sometimes confused with the battle of Armageddon, which will, um, which will be a world conflict before the second coming, this war, the war at the end uh, of the age here, the, 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 the war of Gog and Magog, uh, will be distinct in its objectives, its character, and its outcome. According to Scripture, the invaders will be completely destroyed. I mean, it's, it's going to be a supernatural miracle. And the living God is going to be glorified by coming to the rescue of the nation Israel. Undoubtedly, this will have an effect on the world power struggle in which Russia is now a major factor. As this prophecy was written over 2,500 years ago, the question remains whether this has ever been fulfilled in the past. When you, when you study Ezekiel 38 and 39 and ask yourself, has this ever been fulfilled in the past? The answer is a resounding no. It never has happened before. Though it may leave some questions unanswered, the study of these two chapters supplies an important segment of prophecy as it relates to the end time period leading up to the second coming of Christ. So what did God reveal to Ezekiel about Israel and the nations in the last day? Now, here are, are, are a few things we've discovered so far in our study. We've discovered that God's plan for the nation of Israel in the last days is still in effect. God has not written off the nation of Israel. I've told you before, there's a movement afoot in evangelical circles called replacement theology. And replacement theology is basically this, that the church has replaced Israel in God's eyes and God has nothing to do with Israel ever again. That, that is absolutely bonkers. That's not true. So we've already discovered in chapter 36 and chapter 37, that God still has a plan for the nation of Israel. We also have discovered that the nation of Israel would be restored. From, from literal, literal destruction, they would be restored, and they were restored May the 14th, 1948. After 2,000 years of just absolutely being out of existence practically. We've discovered that God will make his, known, his name known to Israel and to the nations in the last days. I, I tell you, we've talked about that. That theme, that idea that God wants to make his name known and show the world his awesomeness, his sovereignty, his power is found throughout the, 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 the prophetic book of Ezekiel. I, I I think I remember it's about 84 times that's found in this book of Ezekiel. It's like God is putting a, a flashing 
a light out there reminding us, a sign reminding us that it's all about him and his glory. And he's going to make sure that in the last days, he will be glorified. He will be exalted as King of kings and Lord of lords. And then we, we, we're going to discover tonight the Gog and Magog war with Israel that is sure to come. It's coming. It has never happened before. But just like all the other prophecies of the Bible, they all come true. I mean, you, you look at all the prophecies about Jesus, his birthplace, his crucifixion, his resurrection, all of those prophecies in the Old Testament written hundreds of years before they ever occurred were fulfilled to a T, to a T. And I'll tell you, every prophecy in the Bible will be fulfilled that has not already been fulfilled. Now, this war, we don't know exactly when it will come about, but in a broad way, we can say that it will definitely come about after the restoration of the nation of Israel, that's 1948, and it will happen before the second coming of Jesus. Somewhere in that time. Now, that's a lot of time. I wish I could give you a date and a time, but I can't do that. But I can give you a frame of reference. Now, let's look at Ezekiel 38, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, and the word of... Wait, let's pray before we do that, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you, Father, that you... You peppered prophecy in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And it's your way of showing us that you know what's going to happen before it ever happens. And whatever you say is going to happen will happen. And it's a way for you to get honor and glory and praise from human beings. And Lord, we thank you. I pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be evident tonight. I ask you through the power of the Spirit of God, to speak through me, give me understanding, help me to communicate clearly tonight. And I pray that all of us would have ears to hear and a heart that is tender and ready to receive what you have for us from the Word of God tonight. May you be honored and glorified, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Ezekiel 38, 1 and 2. And the Word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now these first six verses that we're going to look at tonight lay out the players in this end-time prophetic drama. We're going to look at some very unusual names names that you have probably never heard of. And then we're going to try to, to look at history and linguistics and, and, and geography and try to, to piecemeal together what these countries could possibly be in 2023. I'll tell you, it's a fascinating study. The first name that we have here is Gog. Now, in all likelihood... 
Uh, this is not a personal name. No, no, no world leader is going to come on the scene at some point in the future by the name of Gog. Okay? It's a title. It's a title like prince. It's a title like president, like czar. It, it's a title. In the future, um, we should expect a world leader to arise. I don't think this is the Antichrist. I, I think I think this is someone other than the Antichrist. But a world leader will arise, and, and he will be prominent, and he will have leadership ability, and I, I believe he will be satanically inspired, and other nations and groups will gravitate to him and they will all have a common enemy. You know who that common enemy is? Israel. It's Israel. And that's very clear here in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Whoever is leading Magog at the time of the invasion will be this Gog, this leader. He's addressed several times in Ezekiel 38 39, such as in chapter 38 verse 2. Chapter 38, verse 14, and chapter 39, verse 1. Now, let's look at the, the, the title Magog. Magog. Uh, as we try to piece together what in the world this means, let's look at some geographical evidence. What does the scripture reveal about the location of this land? And it's land, it's a, it's a place. Ezekiel 38, 14 and 15 says, Therefore prophesy, son of man, and say to Gog, this leader, this prominent world leader, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel are living securely, will you not know it? You will come from your place out of, notice this, out of the remote parts of the north. And you and many peoples with you, and all of them riding on horses, a great assembly and a mighty army. Now remember this, when you study biblical prophecy and you study the Bible, everything, directions are, are based upon the land of Israel, okay? So when it says north, it's referring to a, a place that is north of Israel, a quick check of world map indicates that there are only five countries that are due north of Israel. These include Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, Ukraine, and Russia. The one farthest north is Russia. This is the geographical evidence for assuming that the major player in this last day's drama is going to be Russia. And the leader of Russia will be one spoken of here as Gog, the leader. Now, let's look at some historical evidence. That's the geographical evidence. We know that this land of Magog is north of Israel, and we know that it seems to indicate here that the major player in this end-time drama is going to be Russia. But what about the historical evidence? Let's go back to the time of Noah and his descendants. 
If I, here's something, something interesting. Uh, some of these names are found right there in Genesis t- chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. Uh, the time of Noah and his descendants. Look at Genesis chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Now, these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah. Remember, when Noah's ark landed, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were responsible for repopulating the earth. And the Bible says here in verse 2, the sons of Japheth were Gomer, and get this, look at it, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, and Meshach, and Tiras. So you can see from verse 2 that Magog, mentioned in Ezekiel, was a reference back to the second son of Japheth, the son of Noah. So he was a grandson of Noah. And you see Tubal and Meshach mentioned, they are the fifth and sixth sons of Japheth. Now, here's what's interesting. Josephus, the first century uh, historian and scholar, assures us that the descendants of Magog migrated to an area north of Palestine or Israel. Even before Josephus wrote these words, there was a Greek historian by the name of Herodotus in the 5th century B.C., who wrote that Meshach's descendants settled north of Palestine. So everything so far has been north of Palestine. And Jerome, who was an early church father, a prominent leader from A.D. 345 to A.D. 420, declared that Magog was located north of the Caucasus Mountains, that's the Caucasian mountains that we know are in where? Russia. They're in Russia. So this is the the, the historical evidence. In in my research, boy, this was fascinating. I I had a book, I've got a book in my library by Joel Rosenberg entitled Epicenter. I tell you, this is one fantastic book. I read this years ago and I pulled it out. And he's got a lot of stuff in here about Ezekiel 38 and 39. And he wrote that Voltaire, who is an avowed atheist, was intrigued with solving this mystery of Gog and Magog. Through his own research, he became convinced that Magog was Russia. And this was 150 years before Russia rose to the level of being a major world power. In the the Philosophical Dictionary, he wrote this, I quote, he said, there is a genealogical tree of events of the world. It is incontestable that the inhabitants of Gaul, that would be modern-day France, and Spain are descended from Gomer, and the Russians from Magog, his younger brother. Now, here's what's fascinating. Voltaire, who was an avowed atheist, studied Noah's genealogy in Genesis chapter 10. Now, this is the man who said that 
he, he was going to, to see that no one had a Bible, that the Bible would go extinct, okay? That was his goal in life. And yet, when he wanted to research about Gog and Magog, where did he have to go? He had to go to the Bible that he hated, right? I, to me, it's just a, a, a novel thing here that Voltaire would go to the Bible to find out the evidence to say that Magog was Russia. Finally, let's look at the linguistic evidence. William Genesius, boy, some of these names, I'm telling you, was a father of modern Hebrew lexicography, whatever that is. My tongue's getting tired. And he concluded, and look what he concluded, that the Rosh to which Ezekiel refers is a proper name. He also concluded that Rosh is undoubtedly the Russians who are mentioned by the Byzantine writers of the 10th century under the name Ross, dwelling to the north of Taurus in Turkey. Now, that, that may get a little laborious for you. But man, as I was digging into this stuff, I found it just absolutely amazing how all of this was put together and how the Holy Spirit inspired Ezekiel to write what would happen 25, it's been 2,500 years since he wrote it, okay? And it still has not been fulfilled, but it will be fulfilled. Joel Rosenberg concluded, he said, based on the textual, linguistic, and historical evidence, we can therefore conclude with a high degree of confidence that Ezekiel is speaking of Russia and the former Soviet Union in chapters 38 and 39. We can also be confident that the figure known as Gog will be a powerful political leader who commands uh, a vast amount of territory, people, natural resources, and armies. This leader will use his time in office to get his military forces and alliances prepared for the coming war with Israel. You know, looking at the current conditions in our world, we've got to ask ourselves, could Vladimir Putin be Gog? Could he be Gog? Could he be this world leader that is going to pull together some allies and go against the nation of Israel to absolutely wipe it off the face of the map? Could he? Well, I want, I want to just read you some things here in Rosenberg's book. He says, um, never, listen, never in the last 2,500 years have Russia and Iran had a military alliance? Never. Guess what? They got one today. They got one. This caused many a skeptic to think. See, the Bible has no idea what it's talking about. The Russians have always hated the Iranians, and the Iranians have always hated the Russians. There's no way they're ever going to form an alliance against Israel or anybody else. This just proves the Bible is full of errors. 
And here we see today, they have a military alliance. They have an economic alliance. They are allied left and right. Now, America at one time had a, a great relationship with Iran. You remember that? I remember, you, you remember the Shah of Iran? I mean, America had a great relationship with him. But in 1979, the U.S. lost Iran during the Islamic Revolution as the Shah was overthrown and forced into exile, and American embassy personnel were taken hostage for 444 days. You remember that? I remember the news from those days. If you're younger, you, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But it, it seemed like they always, and remember President Carter tried to do something that just failed miserably, and then President Reagan was elected, and, and, and he got those dudes out. He got them out. And it was an amazing time, but we lost Iran. Iran became an Islamic republic, and it still is to this day. Here are some headlines from different uh, newspapers and uh, places. In the Washington Post, July 27, 2002, Russia plans five more nuclear power plants in Iran. In the Tehran Times, June 14, 2004, Russia favors Iran route for crude exports. Al Jazeera, in February of 2005, here's the headline, Putin, Iran doesn't plan to build atomic arms. Yeah. You know they are, don't you? And then Putin defends arms sales to Syria and Iran. And then here's another one. Iran regards Russia as possible partner to build 20 nuclear power plants. Here's another one. Kremlin ready to defend Iran. And here's another one. Russia agrees to $1 billion arms deal, $1 billion arms deal with Iran. This... This, this picture here of Russia and Iran coming together for the first time should get our attention. Rosenberg acknowledged the possibility when he wrote the following summer. He said, Putin is certainly perceived as a rising czar. He speaks fondly of Russia's historic monarchy. He is centralizing political power and control to himself. He is rebuilding Russia's military for offensive purposes. He speaks of the collapse of the Soviet evil empire as a catastrophe and talks of restoring the historical glory of Mother Russia. He's operating in a social and political climate that increasingly desires a leader along the lines of Joseph Stalin. What's more, he is steadily building political, economic, and military ties with the very countries Ezekiel described in his vision of the future. Now, obviously, Joel Rosenberg wrote this book before the Ukraine war between Russia and Israel. And I, I don't know what, what that will have to do with, with this stuff, 
But I do believe that Russia is going to be the major player in the war of Gog and Magog. And then I believe there are two other major players in that war. I believe it's going to be Turkey, and I believe it's going to be Iran. Those three will be the axis of evil that will come against the nation of Israel, the covenant people of God, at some point in the future. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 3, let's go to the next verse. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I tell you, there are several scriptures here I included for you to look up on your own where God says that he is against a certain nation. And, and you know, uh, in Romans 8.31, it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? But the opposite appears here. If God is against us, who can be for us? Think about it. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you the outcome of the war of Gog and Magog? They're going to be defeated. They're going to be defeated soundly, and Israel will not have to lift a finger. The IDF will not be involved in defeating this massive army led by Israel, Turkey, and Iran in in the last days. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says no other nation will come to the aid of Israel in that day. That means America will not come to the aid of Israel in that day. That means that we're going to see in the future a breaking off of our, our uh, commitment and alliance with one of our closest allies, the nation of Israel. You remember what God promised to Abraham? He said he would bless any nation, any people, that is a blessing to God's covenant people. And the opposite is true also. Ezekiel 38 verse 4. I will turn you around, I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws. This is God speaking. And I will bring you out and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, a great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords. Now you say, are you telling me that Russia and Iran and Turkey and these allied nations coming against Israel are are going to be riding horses? Are, Are they going to be having swords? Are they not going to have tanks and and uh, automatic machine guns. Are, are, what, what, what is he talking about here? You've got to remember, Ezekiel had no idea what a machine gun was. He had no idea what a tank was. And so he is writing from a perspective just saying, look, they're going to be well equipped. When they come against Israel, they're going to be well equipped. God himself would ultimately draw Gog and his massive army into this conflict with Israel. You say, why? Why would God initiate the war of Gog and Magog? Why would he initiate Russia and these allies coming together and swarming 
upon the nation, upon the mountains of Israel to destroy the covenant people of God. Why would he do it? For his glory. Because these nations have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. They've rejected God. They've believed in one who is not real, who is not a God, and they are being punished by God himself. It's all about God's glory. Look at verses 5 and 6. Persia, Ethiopia, and put with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer, with all its truth, Beth to Gorma, from the remote parts of the north, with all its truth, many peoples with you. All right, now let's look at these, these, these names, and let's see if we can piece together what nations are going to be a part of this coalition. Well, Persia is easy. Persia is well known in the Bible and history, and Persia was renamed Iran in 1935. And it is ruled by Islamic fundamentalists. Even now, even now, it is building a strong military. And, and I, I'm so sad to say that America has contributed billions of dollars to help them do this. And for the life of me, I'll never understand that. I'll never understand it. But they're building a strong military. They've sent scientists to Russia to learn about nuclear uh, reactors and, and nuclear bombs. And who knows what, they, they've got two big, huge underground nuclear facilities that they're working on these nuclear bombs. I don't know. They may have some right now. I don't know. But I do know this. I know that Israel and Probably the CIA and, and others are, are looking at this. And Israel has vowed that they will not allow Iran to have a nuclear bomb. And I can understand why. Because I'm telling you, they will use that nuclear bomb to destroy the nation of Israel and to wipe them off the planet. All right, here's another name, Ethiopia. Now, we know the name Ethiopia. The ancient historian Josephus traced, in some of your Bible versions, it's got Cush. So it's Cush, Ethiopia. Uh, the Cushites are, are the land uh, of Ethiopia. But the land once known as ancient Ethiopia included far more territory than the Ethiopia we know today. Many believe Sudan will possibly join this unholy alliance led by Russia. Many believe that Sudan is the reference here to Ethiopia because it's a part of that ancient land of Ethiopia. Now, part of it is Sudan. At this very moment, Sudan in Africa is dominated by Islamic fundamentalists and is using brutal means to try and establish a pure Islamic site. You know what they're doing to Christians? They, they've been known to crucify Christians to purge their land of infidels. That's happening before our very eyes as we speak. 
And, and then put, this is Libya and possibly Algeria and Tunisia. Libya is also an Islamic country. It is strongly anti-Western and anti-Israel. You, you know, Iran views America as the big Satan and Israel as the little Satan. And Iran would like nothing better than to destroy America and to destroy the nation of Israel. And then Gomer. This could be the central part of Turkey or it even could be Germany, some scholars say. So these are, are nations that are going to coalesce around Russia and around Iran and around Turkey. And they're going to come together, a massive, massive, massive army, and they're going to sweep into the mountains of Israel to destroy Israel. But they're going to get a big surprise when they get there from God. Ooh, I'm going to get into that tonight, but we'll get into that next week. And then Beth to Garma. Josephus identified Bethagarma as the Phrygians who settled in Cappadocia. Kathy and, and Ed were in, in, in Turkey, and uh, they know about Cappadocia. It's in eastern Turkey. Certainly, Turkey will be involved in this Gog and Magog war. Turkey was founded here, here in, in the recent past as a secular state. But with Erdogan, they're becoming more and more Islamic, bordering on becoming Islamic fundamentalists. Erdogan is a Sunni Muslim. Iran, they are Shia Muslims. Sunni Muslims and Shia Muslims hate each other. They don't like each other. And Erdogan, I read a, a news clip from him. He wants to be the kingpin of the Sunni Muslims. Right now, the kingpin of the Sunni Muslims is Saudi Arabia. But he want, Erdogan wants to be the kingpin of the Sunni Muslims. It's interesting that all the nations that we've looked at so far that joined this alliance hate Israel. They hate America. Rosenberg wrote this. He said, Bible scholars generally believe that Bethagarma refers to the people of Turkey and Armenia and the Turkic-speaking peoples who spread out over time across Central Asia, including those in modern-day countries of Georgia, Azerbaijan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. A lot of stands there. And, and he feels like they're going to be a part of this alliance. When I tell you that, I want you to understand, this is not going to be a small army that's going to come against Israel. This is going to be a massive army that is well-equipped and they're coming with blood in their eyes. They want to destroy the nation. Now, we're going to look at something next week, another reason they're coming against Israel. They're coming for the riches of Israel. Do you remember when, when Israel became a nation in 1948, 
It was a desolate land. I mean, it was just totally desolate. There was nothing worth having there. But now, it's one of the richest lands around. I, I think that the average um, salary of a person in Israel is like $54,000. And the average salary of a person in Saudi Arabia, which is a very rich nation, is like $34. So I, I want you to know that Israel is really knocking it out of the park with technology. Israel has a lot of, of, of chemicals and, and stuff in the Dead Sea that is absolutely valuable. They have a huge gas field that they have discovered. And Rosenberg believes that they're eventually going to discover one of the largest oil fields in the world. They're under the grounds of Israel. And he's got scripture to, to show, show that to be true. Now look at Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 7 to 9. Be prepared... And prepare yourself, you and all your companies that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. This first verse here, verse 7, is a reference to Russia and Turkey and Iran to get prepared. Get prepared for this massive onslaught that God is going to draw them into called the Battle of Gog and Magog. And he said, get ready. And he said, here's the interesting, and be on guard for them. In other words, Russia, Turkey, and Iran will be responsible for making sure that these smaller nations that are a part of this coalition will be protected. And then verse 8, after many days you will be summoned. In the latter years you will come into the land that is restored from the sword whose inhabitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which have been a continual waste. But his people were brought out from the nations, and they are living securely, all of them. Now, this is interesting. So here, God is saying 2,500 years ago, he said, listen, I have brought the nation of Israel back together. I'm going to plant them in the land. They're going to be fruitful. Things are going to go well for them. They are going to dwell securely. I don't think as we look today that we can say necessarily that Israel is dwelling securely. I mean, they have to keep their head on the swivel all the time. Because everybody, it seems like the whole world has put a target on the back of of Jews and the nation of Israel. So when will they ever dwell securely? Look, uh, I'm just going to project something to you. I know that at some point in the future, the Antichrist is going to make a deal with Israel. What's the one thing Israel wants more than anything? Security, right? They want security. And I believe the Antichrist is going to offer them a peace deal. You know, I, I hear all these people talking about a peace deal, peace deal, peace deal. 
a two-state solution, all this kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, one day the Antichrist, who's going to be one slick character, is going to offer Israel a peace deal, make peace with them, offer them security, and I believe that that security and that peace deal will last about three and a half years. And then at the end of three and a half years, he's going to break his covenant with Israel. And he's going to present himself as God in the rebuilt third temple. Uh, you say, where do you get all that? Well, it's in the Bible. It's, it's, it's in the Bible. That's my interpretation of it. And I believe it, believe it to be true. So at some point in the future, when Israel is dwelling securely, that's the time they're going to let their guard down and they are going to be attacked by Russia, Turkey, Iran, and these other nations. And th- those nations come from every direction. If you saw that, that uh, map up there a few minutes ago, you saw that they're coming from everywhere. And, and the Bible says in verse 8, no, notice the phrases there in verse 8. After many days, in the latter years, and in verse 16, in the last days. This clearly marks this text out, chapter 38 and 39 out, as a prophetic text, an eschatological text, something that's going to happen in the future, not at that particular time. Now, look at verse 9. You will go up. You will come like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land. You and all your troops and many peoples with you. So evidently, there may even be more people who become a part of this massive coalition against the nation of Israel. And they join the group and they they come against the mountains of Israel. You know, as I was studying this and researching all of this, I thought, what, what does that mean for us today? What does it mean? I want you to take your Bible. Look at Luke 21. Luke chapter 21. Look at verse 29. Then he, Jesus, told them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. What? Jesus was a master of using simple illustrations. He said, look, you guys, you, you, you've, grown up, you've seen trees. They come through the winter. The leaves are gone. Then all of a sudden, they start budding and little leaves pop out. And you know, by looking at the tree, that summer is near, Jesus said. He said, look, as soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, look at this, verse 31. So you also, when you see these things happening, Recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Listen, 
I, I don't have time tonight, but we could go to Matthew chapter 24. We could go earlier here in, in chapter 21 and, and Luke 17 and, and Mark 13 and look at the, the birth pangs that Jesus says are going to be there as we get near the return of Christ. And I'm telling you, they're there, folks. They are there. Unlike any time in my life, it's not just one or two signs that's coming to the forefront. It's like there are multiple signs and they're coming together fast and furious. And what Jesus is saying here in verse uh, 31, so also when you see these things happen, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the kingdom of God may be just around the corner. And look what he went on to say. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 34, very important. Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that day will come on you suddenly like a trap. Wow. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I think as we study... Israel prophecy in the Middle East. We need to realize that things are happening all around us. Prophetic things and signs are taking place and they're getting more frequent and they're becoming more obvious as we go, it seems like every day. And think about what we study tonight. Remember what Rosenberg said? He said, never before in history has Iran and Russia ever come together and had an alliance? But they have it today. And that's just one. And so what what does this mean for us? It means we need to realize that the coming of Jesus may be near. The kingdom of God is just around the corner. And we need to be alert. We need to make sure that we're not weighed down by the things of this world but that we're totally invested in the kingdom of God and we are denying ourselves and taking up our cross daily and following Jesus as believers. But if you're here tonight and you've never repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus, can I be honest with you? You're running out of time. You're running out of time. You're playing a silly game. Do you realize that you could have a heart attack and die before you get to your car? That's why the Bible says over and over again, today is a day of salvation. If you're not a believer, I encourage you, examine your heart to make sure you're in the faith. Trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Commit your life to him and follow him. Don't be weighed down by dissipation or drunkenness or the things of this world. Those things are meaningless. 
Jesus says the world is passing away and all things in it. We got to be about the kingdom. Hey, many of you have family members who are lost. Family members who are prodigals and they're way away from God. Are you praying for them? Are you praying with a sense of urgency that the God of heaven would bring about a great breakthrough in their hearts and they would come back to Jesus? Are you praying that that lost family member would be saved? Are you sharing the gospel with your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers? Listen, the time is now. That's what this, this whole study is about. The time is now. Listen, if you're here tonight and you'd like to talk to myself or Brother Tommy, we'd love to talk to you. Just come up to us, talk to us. We'll, we'll be glad to share the gospel with you. We'll be glad to pray with you. We'll be glad to minister to you any way we can. I volunteered, Brother Tommy. I hope he didn't mind that I volunteered him. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, next week, we're going to go even deeper into the deeper water, okay? So I encourage you to be here next week. My goal, my goal is that this week, next week, and the next week that we finish our study, okay? So you pray for me that I cover territory and I get it done, Okay? And let's really hone in and, and let's remember, be alert. When you walk out of here, be alert. The kingdom of God is near. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you for prophecy. Thank you that you've proved yourself over and over and over again, Father, as being a God who knows the future and a God who who make sure that what you prophesy, what your prophets prophesied will come true exactly as is stated in the Bible. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would wake us up, that we would be all about the kingdom and all about loving you and serving you and, and extracting ourselves from the tentacles of this world system. Lord, we love you. When you come, Lord, I pray we'd be ready. I pray we'd be serving you. I pray we'd be loving you. I pray we would be exalting you and worshiping you like we never have before the minute you come. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.